Hey guys, this is Colin Zhu, aka The Chef Doc, and I know it's been a minute since the last time you and I have spoken, and I want to thank you so much for following the Thrive Bites podcast. And I just want to let you know that there's good reason for that, and let me explain. In almost six months, I've been working tirelessly and diligently to helping people near and far during this tumultuous year that we've had from 2020 into 2021. And I said to myself, what more can I do to inspire and impact others? And you guys know me, I'm all about thriving. I'm all about thriving from a emotional, mental, and physical standpoint. That is the reason why I wrote Thrive Medicine. And that is the reason why I started this podcast called Thrive Bites. And so I decided that I wanted to put together a virtual summit experience, gathering over 50 speakers. That includes physicians, dietitians, fitness experts, coaches, and spanning over five pillars in teaching someone else on learning how to thrive. And I call this the Thrive Formula. The five pillars consist of food as medicine, functional fitness, relationships, community, and resilience. And the reason why I've chosen to do this is because I really wanted to give more tools, more education, and more inspiration. And letting people know that they're not alone and they don't have to be ill-equipped for life and whatever life throws at you, whether it's a curveball, whether it's an obstacle, whether it's a roadblock. And I worked really hard to provide this and I'm happy to announce that it is fully released and it's fully accessible. And you may ask yourself, who is this for and what does it consist of? This is for the individual that prioritizes their health and wellness and also wants to take charge of their own well-being. It's also for the healthcare professional and the healthcare professional student because I wanted to create a summit experience that I wish I could have had when I was in school. The summit experience has over 50 plus hours plus more ranging from culinary demonstrations to fitness demonstrations to scientific medical sessions. And we answer questions like, what is Whole Foods plant-based cooking? How do I start cooking back in my kitchen? What affects my brain, gut, and immune health? What are the tools for my own emotional and mental well-being? How can I be more of service and lead by example? What kind of nutrition do I need to give my children nowadays? To how do I navigate self-doubt, self-sabotage, my inner critic? to what are the best physical movements to increase my mobility, strength, flexibility, and function. And one of my favorites is how do I create more joy, contentment, and happiness in my own life? This summit also works like a masterclass series where you get to learn and further your education. And I do this by providing quizzes with every session and I provide workbooks. And there's also recipes and very, very special speaker bonuses. You'll also have the opportunity to join a private Facebook community to further your growth and connect with like-minded individuals. So if this resonates with you, please join us on this journey to further yourself and take back 2021 and beyond. You can find us at thriveformula.co. That's T-H-E-T-H-R number five, formula.co. And come on inside and I'll see you in there. Cheers. Hey guys, this is Dr. Colin Zhu and thank you so much for being here with us on the Thrive Bites podcast. 
This is season four, and we're so excited for you to be here. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Dr. Colin Zhu, double boarded in family and lifestyle medicine, and I interview the best and most passionate health and wellness experts of the industry on this platform. And we talk about plant-powered living, emotional resilience, and creating a thriving mindset. And this season, we're taking it live, we're taking it on multiple platforms, and we're taking it as a Q&A discussion as well as our interviewing of our guests. So we're super stoked about this, and please remember to like and subscribe down below, and we will see you. Welcome to the next episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Thrive Bites podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Colin Zhu, and thank you so much for being here with us. You can be anywhere in the world, and I really appreciate you spending just a few moments of your day to join us. And uh, today we have a very, very special guest and a very, very special topic. I'm sure that most of you can relate on some level. And it's how to practice mindfulness. And uh, I can't wait to dig into this. Um, the, the next speaker that we have for this week, um, her name is Dr. Uh, Rashmi Shram. Uh, she is a board certified family physician, a certified coach, and a meditation teacher. She is the founder of Optimal Wellness, a coaching platform where she helps busy professionals tap into inner peace and power so they can live uh, more energetically and purposefully um, lives. I just literally messed up all the grammar there. <laughs> anyway, so without further ado, please say hi to Dr. Rashmi. Hello. <laughs> hey, Colin. It's great to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Uh, you and I have been, you know, definitely been working uh, together in other aspects, and I'm super, super glad for you just to take some time out of your busy day um, to join us. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you. How about you? It's my pleasure <laughs> being here. Yeah, yeah. I'm super stoked. Um, I am uh, very, very looking forward um, to this topic. Um, I think mindfulness um, personally, um, I think is very, very needed, especially during a time like this. Um, and yet, you know, there's a lot of, about it um, that we need to kind of in a way, dissect and really break it apart to uh, really strategize on uh, how to best use it, right? How to best apply it, how to best implement it. Um, but I think that, you know, uh, you know, with social media, with everything that's going on, it could just, some people might think of it as, you know, just a hashtag or maybe just a trend. And it is way more than that. And you are a full-on uh, pr practitioner yourself, um, you've helped so many, you know, patients uh, with it, I see, see you on your accounts, and, you know, always, you know, in such a calm and collected, you know, manner. Um, but I also know that, you know, we're also human as well. And, you know, maybe that comes from uh, places of, uh, you know, maybe pain, maybe struggle, maybe low points, you know, that we all experience, uh, living the human uh, experience. So, to start off, why don't we talk about um, your origin story about how to, you know, how you got from point A to point B, um, how you, if you can share, um, you know, how you got into mindfulness and making it a practice, and then ultimately making it um, a part of your professional career. 
Yeah, absolutely. And you made so many really good points. And I can't wait to touch on each of those as we talk. So my story is similar to many others. Um, what One difference might be I was actually born in India, and I lived in a very large extended family until I was 12. And in that setting, I was exposed to a lot of spirituality, a lot of meditation, a lot of mindfulness. And so it felt like home for me. And then at the age of 12, we immigrated to a very small coal mining town in southwestern Virginia, it was very rural um, and there was really no semblance. There was nothing that was similar uh, from my urban Indian upbringing to where I spent my adolescence. And so a, a large part of my adolescence and, and further was just me trying to adapt and figure out um, how to kind of best fit in and not stick out just like every other 12, 13, 14 year old. And in, in that process, I really forgot all about med meditation, mindfulness, all of that. And then I went to college at the University of Virginia, and there was a, a small group of people that um, they were meditating, they were practicing mindful living. And so I, I really enjoyed that. So I got back into my meditation practice. And fast forward to medical school, and then residency and further on, there really was no semblance of me practicing any kind of meditation or mindfulness practices per se, not on any consistent basis. And I found myself about you know 15 years ago with a couple of young kids and working some crazy hours. My husband was working crazy hours and I was living in a way that didn't make any sense to me. I was always exhausted, wasn't sleeping well. I was um, distracting myself in every way possible. I was not taking care of myself at all, mind, body, or spirit. And the consequences started to show up for me years and years and years of living like that. And for me, that those really showed up as a lot of anxiety, a lot of insomnia um, that I tried to buffer with a variety of things. They weren't working for me. A lot of irritability. I mean, people just couldn't speak fast enough for me. <laughs> it's just like, why are you talking so slow, dude? What's going on? You know, um, there was just a lot of this um, movement without getting anywhere. And ultimately, I started to get physically sick as well. And so I started to have these chronic daily migraines. I was having a lot of digestive issues. I mean, all of these we can account to for chronic daily stress if we're not really actively working on something to take care of ourselves. And so at my lowest point, I was really pretty miserable. I wasn't tolerating the medications. My kids weren't really getting the best mom. I, of course, because we're physicians, we never really show that in the at the workplace. So that was okay. But everything else was suffering, my marriage, I mean, everything else was suffering. And I remembered some of my best times, some of my most healthy times mentally and emotionally were when I had a consistent meditation practice. And so I went back into that. And for a few years, it was very touch and go for me. Um, I would get better when I meditated, like my, my migraines would go away and I would feel better. And then I would forget about it. And then like six months later, it would come back and I'd meditate for a while again. And so it was like, you know, it was like a crisis meditator. And so it was about seven, eight years ago when I just said, uh, nope, I'm doing this for good. I doubled down and it was a very consistent, daily, deliberate, intentional, um, conscious decision that I made to meditate every day and to really switch the way that I was thinking about my self-care and the way that I was thinking about my mental and emotional well-being. Um, and so that's when my trajectory really changed very, very drastically. There was kind of this inflection point as I started to get better and better and better 
things started to expand for me. And so I went back, I did deep dives into meditation, mindfulness, Ayurveda, and I got a variety of certifications. And, you know, when I was doing this, I wasn't really thinking I'm going to teach. Like when I was going through my teacher certifications as a physician, I was like, this is really great. I'm going to figure out how to integrate this into my patients' lives. Um, and so let's just see how it goes. But really, the truth is, I was in a very busy, you know, like mm -hmm. production practice. I, I can't, mm -hmm. I couldn't teach. <laughs> and so, so eventually what ended up happening was I did have to make the very difficult decision to leave my production practice. And I started my own, um, I'm also a coach and so it works really well. So meditation and coaching, you know, the, the mindfulness aspect of it along with coaching, which is really mindset. So mindfulness and mindset works really, really well. And so kind of coming back to this place of living more mindfully and meditating regularly is almost like a full circle for me, if that makes sense. And it feels very natural for me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I think there's so many different points that I would love to tease out for there. Number one, I think, you know, this is what a lot of us, um, you know, I, I won't speak for everyone, but, you know, I know for me, uh, to be able to start from a pain point, a, a frustration, or going through your own personal struggle and then finding, you know, a health, a healthy solution and being able to use that as a tool, one of the tools as part of your arsenal to help others is such a profound, you know, way. Um, in my opinion, I think that will make you a better, has been making you, you know, a wonderful provider, you know, because you come from a lived experience of understanding what someone else you know, is going through, you know, um, and I think that's one of the challenges of being human from day to day is really not connecting the dots, only seeing the surface level of what people, you know, say or do or not say or not do. And then say to yourself, like, oh, you know, I can't really relate to this person in this way, when, you know, everything under the hood, per se, you know, we're exactly the same, you know, um, even down to our you know, human genome, you know, what I'm saying like, we're just, you know, we're, we're very, very, very similar. Um, and so, you know, I'm so glad that you've been able to kind of use that uh, for yourself and now your patients. Yeah, absolutely. And you are right. And one of the basic sort of tenets within, you know, meditative practices and meditative ways of living is that we are all connected. We are all one. Literally, we are one. We are all parts of one. And so the more I think we examine ourselves, the more we find, just like you said, that we are really very alike, uh, more so alike than we are different. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's super, super important. For me, um, you know, I found that to be true and it constantly got reinforced through my traveling. I have a huge passion of traveling, especially, you know, pre-COVID. And, you know, the more different human beings from different parts of the world that I interacted, I realized, wow, you know, um, our lived experience are actually very, very shared and similar. So, um, but yeah, let's go a little bit deeper um, into what mindfulness is. Can you uh, give us your definition of mindfulness and um, in your opinion, what was the original intent um, of it, do you think? 
Yeah. So uh, let's let's really make this super, super clear. So we'll we'll talk about what mindfulness is and what meditation is, because we don't want to quite, you know, use one one and the other. So mindfulness is an incredibly simple thing. It is very, very simple. The understood definition that most people will share is a version of something like this. Mindfulness really is just paying attention to this present moment that we're in right now on purpose without judgment and with curiosity, right? And so no one really came up with it per se. This is a way of being. So if you look at little kids, they are already always mindful. They don't have to try to be mindful. They are already always mindful. Every single human being was born being mindful. We were not judging and we were curious and we were living in this present moment. And the opposite of that is worrying about the past or thinking about the future without really being in this moment. It's, it's, you know, we do this all the time. Uh, we might be um, having a conversation and or watching a show, but we're on our phone or we are, you know, talking to someone in real life and we're on our phone. We're not really there. We're not really paying attention or we're bringing in a lot of judgment um, and forgetting that we can be curious beings. And so even though it's very, very simple, it is actually not easy. So we have to kind of practice that. And so that's mindfulness. There's a lot of different um, ways that we can think about mindfulness. And so I'll tell you what meditation is. Meditation is also incredibly simple. It is literally just going from activity into stillness. That's all it is, right? We're not creating the stillness. We're not creating the silence. It's already always there. And we're just tapping into it. And meditation is just a formal practice of mindfulness, right? So it's a formal practice of being in the present moment, whether you're paying attention to a mantra, a guidance, or your breath, it doesn't really matter. It's that you're paying attention on purpose and you're bringing your attention back every time your attention goes because your attention will go and you're not judging. You're not like, oh, is this a good meditation? I don't know if this is a good meditation. Am I doing this right? You got to let that go. And there's got to be some curiosity. Like what might show up for me right now? I don't know. And so mindfulness is a way of being, is, is a way that I think of, and we can absolutely practice being that way. And I think a lot of us do mindful things. Um, and I'll get into how sometimes. Um, and, and meditation is really the fastest way to build up our mindfulness muscle. Mm -hmm. So we meditate not because of the experiences we have in meditation, although we can have some really blissful experiences. We meditate for the vast majority of us to see how we can integrate it to the rest of our lives, to see how we can become more mindful. And part of that is just expansiveness, because when we stop judging and we stop allowing a lot of energy to go towards that. And again, this is not easy to do. This is a practice mm -hmm. because we, we are conditioned to judge. This is good. This is bad. This is pretty. This is ugly. I mean, all of these things, um, then, then we actually can find more energy in our lives for so much other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have definitely um, personally have uh, under, I, I totally resonate with what you're saying. You know, I've studied a little bit of Vipassana meditation. Um, I do my best to be mindful, uh, to be more present. And uh, like you said, and other episodes that, you know, I've had with uh, conversations with experts is, you know, the past is no longer there. Uh, the future is uncertain. And honestly, the only thing we have, you know, is the present moment. And that's why it's called a gift. Um, and, um, you know, for me, 
I guess a, a, a natural, you know, you mentioned curiosity, a natural question that I would have would be, how is it, I don't know if it's due to our anatomy or evolution, but how is it so easy for humans to kind of, you know, have distracted ourselves in this way, right? Like if we start off, you were mentioning about kids. What I think about is animals, actually, you know, um, animals to me are always mindful, you know, um, I would presume they don't think about the past, you know, um, you know, or the future. They're very, very present, right? Like having a dog or a cat. Um, how is it that humans um, have come into this way where, you know, it's so easy for us to you know, get away from that? If that's, you know, it sounds like our natural way of being. Yeah, that's a great question. So what tends to happen is conditioning, societal conditioning. And, you know, this didn't just happen, right? So meditation, we can find meditation practices that go back at least 5,000 years. I mean, at least 5,000 years. Meditation is part of every wisdom tradition in the world. And so it just so happens that the kind that I teach come from, you know, come from the East. And so when you think of what what evolutionarily gets passed down, it's usually not things that we don't need. It's usually things that we do need. And so mm -hmm. even thousands of years ago, people were still finding ways to get distracted. Of course, it's way, way, way easier for us to get distracted. But it turns out that we function at our best when we pay some attention to this present moment. When we, you know, it's of course normal for us to automate some things. And so over time, and certainly when you look at studies over what, you know, what's going on with chronic daily stress, and there is way too much literally all around the world. Um, it used to be somewhat protective in some of the Eastern countries. Um, but now with, you know, this kind of development and with COVID, uh, the numbers are really off the charts. But really over time, particularly when the Industrial Revolution happened, and we didn't have to go to bed at any particular time, right? Like before we had lights and things like it was dark, like if you've ever gone camping, and I love going camping, because I sleep so well, when I go camping, because it's dark, there are cues, we have to listen to those cues, yeah. you know, I'm not going to sit there. I mean, I don't have any signal, I don't have, you know, and so living that way is simpler, of course, it's not that we have to live that way to be mindful. But, but, but what can happen is these layers start to add on, um, generally from about age six or seven or eight. And if we're not careful about removing some of those layers, they can just keep adding on and on and on and on and on and on. And so sometimes when I start to work with somebody, either one-on-one -on -one or even in groups to even get to that core silent space. Sometimes we really, it just takes a little bit of time, but the truth mm -hmm. is it's already always, always, always there. And so we have figured out with our gigantic frontal cort cortexes or cortices <laughs> how to distract ourselves because guess what? When we do that, we get these little dopamine hits that are really quick and fast. Yeah. And we kind of want that one more time. But the truth is, if we were to go back and look at what happens during meditation, and this is in beginners as well, and you don't have to be any kind of like high end meditator, as if there mm -hmm. is such a thing, we start to see the dopamine levels go up within three or four weeks, we have to meditate for about three or four weeks regularly before we see that we start mm -hmm. to see serotonin levels go up. I mean, endogenous serotonin, endogenous DHEA, growth hormone, all of those really beneficial anti-inflammatory hormones begin mm -hmm. to go higher and higher and higher, the more regularly a person meditates. And so it's absolutely possible. Is it, it's, it's not, it's not totally possible to stay indistracted all the time. That's not me at all. I mean, I think, uh, <laughs> 
like my family would tell you, I'm, I'm like way I can I can be distracted pretty quickly and easily, but I can also bring myself back. And it's good to have some humor about yourself. Yeah, yeah, of course. Hey guys, we're gonna be taking a short break, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hey guys, this is Colin Zhu, aka The Chef Doc, and thank you so much for taking the time out to listen to my podcast. On my podcast, we talk about eating and cooking and living from a whole foods, plant-based approach. And between my patients, clients, and my audience listeners, I get a lot of questions of, hey doc, how do I get started on how to set up a kitchen? Or what should I buy? What should I make? Is there something beyond a salad, broccoli, and a smoothie? I know in our fast-paced life and during a pandemic, it is much more challenging to be able to teach yourself and learning how to cook. And so I partner up with Listenable, who is a leader in audio educational courses that are bite-sized. And I went ahead and created a course on how to get started on a whole foods plant-based lifestyle. And in this course, I put in my best tips, tools, and tricks on everything I've learned on how to get someone started to eating more plants, getting healthier for you and your family. I talk about how to set up your kitchen from the pantry to the fridge, the freezer, to how to navigate the supermarket, to what kind of utensils and appliances one needs to have, to what do we need to make, how to meal prep, what kind of cooking techniques there are, and what exactly is whole foods plant-based. And I'm able to make this course over 10 lessons. Each of those lessons are less than 10 minutes long. And you'll be able to finish this in an hour. You could even do it while commuting, exercising, or even walking your dog. And in addition, you can choose from over 3,000 plus original audio lessons created by well-loved experts. Just use the coupon code ColinZhu, C-O-L-I-N-Z-H-U, on Listenable.io, and you'll be able to get 30% off a year of Listenable. So definitely check that out in the show notes, and check out the course on how to get started on a whole foods plant-based lifestyle. And I'll see you there. Thanks for listening. And now back to Thrivebytes. Welcome back to Thrivebytes. Let's get back to the interview. So I guess um, maybe it's uh, due to an individual, you know, everybody's different, but it, what is the original, I guess, desired effects you know, from practicing meditation or practicing mindfulness? Is it to, you know, reduce anxiety and stress, be more present um, or all the above? Like what, what was, what do you think um, historically, you know, um, has been the original desired outcome of it? Yeah. And I love that because we're so outcome oriented. So you're, you're going to maybe be like, what do you mean? What outcome are we looking for? But if I were to pinpoint an outcome per se, and they wouldn't have really said that because that means we then become attached to the outcome if we think there's going to be an outcome. But one of the original intents of the, uh, of the ancient rishis and sages, and this is, you know, the yoga sutras and all of this other stuff, it was to quiet the mind so that our essential selves could be seen and we Mm. could connect to our essential selves. And to a certain degree that is transcendence. And 
mm-hmm. what that necessarily translates for me, transcendence is not, you know, um, flying above, you know, whatever, but it is recognizing that we are number one, not our thoughts. We're the witness of our thoughts. Number two, we're not our ego. We're not our intellect. We are really and truly these beings that can transcend all of that and mm-hmm. live in a really blissful, joyful way and work in a, in, in a blissful, joyful way. That was really the original intent. So the original mm-hmm. yogis and the rishis and the sages, this is, you know, this, this has been recorded for thousands and thousands of years. So of course, now we've had a little bit of like almost colonization of yoga and meditation, right? Mm. Um, a lot of Westernization. And so you can see uh, people kind of splice it up here and there and lose mm-hmm. some of its original intent. And they might say, oh, you know, this is a hack for focus or whatever. But the truth is meditation is not a hack. It is something that we didn't invent. I didn't invent it. I I didn't discover it. I mean, it was, you know, it's been passed down for thousands and thousands of years. And so the original intent, I would say, for the kinds of meditation that I teach is transcendence. But what I would say is that people that come to me come to me very similarly to why I came to meditation which was to get rid of some of my symptoms that were related to stress. So it might not be anxiety or insomnia. It might be just feeling stuck. It might be depression. It might be all kinds of other emotional issues that they're looking to get past. But there yeah. is usually some kind of minor crisis that people are going to. Um, and and we, can, we can definitely fix that, I say, but we can also go way farther than that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For me, um, you know, like yesterday, you know, personally going through a low point and I literally, you know, put my phone down and um, and I went for a walk for three hours. And uh, this is something that I, you know, enjoy doing. We were talking offline and, you know, traveling is a a huge passion of mine Um, and not having that as frequently as I would like to during COVID um, has definitely uh, hindered me. Uh, to some degree. And so having this walk, you know, and not having any headphones, just pretty much not having any distractions, I was able to, you know, hear, you know, my footsteps again, I was able to hear uh, birds chirping, Um, I was able to hear uh, bikers and cyclists, you know, passing and whizzing by me, right. So it, uh, for me, you know, mindfulness is, you know, a lot for me, it's a lot of silencing of, noise and distractions, you know, I'm saying to be able to get more present. Um, I think uh, being more present, it takes somewhat of a focus per se, but I think a a component I'm sure you would agree is to also uh, bring down the distractions and minimizing it as much as possible. I love that story. That sounds like such a healing way for you to treat your mind, body, and spirit, really, right? And that Mm -hmm. is the most mindful thing in the world is walking. It is so healing. I do this a lot as well because my tendency is to put on my AirPods and to listen to a podcast or to listen to music or whatever. Um, And sometimes you're exactly right. You you don't even hear your own footsteps. You don't hear the birds. You miss so much in life and we end up living in this distracted way. So for you to find some healing and some solace in your really long walk where you were just being mindful, you were noticing the sky, you were noticing the birds, you were noticing the cyclists. I mean, that is a definition of mindfulness. You didn't (laughs) tell me you were judging this guy. You were you were saying, why didn't the birds sing in this right. other way? You were just curious, <laughs> like, what is the next step, right? And that's 
that's it. That's all. That How simple is that? Right. That's so yeah. simple. It makes it sort of silly almost that we're even talking about it. Yeah. 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 I mean, there was one time, you know, I live, you know, by the LA coast. And so, you know, there was one time where I saw a seagull and he had what looked like, you know, a muscle in his beak. And so I guess I was curious and maybe a little bit judgy and be like, you know, why can't you just pick up something else? You know, <laughs> you know, do something else for a change. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but it's, um, it's, uh, it's super important for me. That's the most refreshing. Um, I think, uh, you know, if you, if anyone has seen the mo uh, the movie, the matrix, as much as it is fictional, it does garner a certain amount of curiosity about like, you know, why are we so plugged in? You know, why is society so plugged in into this illusion of a fabric of a world? And, and, and how are we, you know, continuing to allow ourselves to be distractful and take ourselves away? You know, like you said, we're just uh, beings, all parts, you know, of the whole, right? But I think a part to understand that is to remind yourself to, you know, get back to connecting to it, you know, getting back to connecting to the whole. Um, and at least in my opinion, to be able to feel more alive. So for sure. But it took a little while for you to make that decision, right? It takes a little while for me to make that decision to take my AirPods off sometimes because I have all these like goals. I'm like, I'm going to get through 10 podcasts this week because I got to do this, this and this. And actually, I'm going to practice my next video when I'm going on my walk or, you know, like I'm going to call this person. I'm going to call that other person. Like, you know, it's me kind of going through like I'm going to be productive on my walk yeah. or I'm going to be productive right this very minute. When the truth is, if I were to just walk the way that you did, the real truth is that I probably will be more productive when I come back. But sometimes mm. my brain doesn't believe that because, mm. again, you know, slowing down, taking the AirPods off, paying attention to this moment in very, very many ways, just like you mentioned, is very counterculture. It's, mm -hmm. you know, in our like very goal oriented, outcome oriented you know, high stress environment, mm -hmm. there's that conditioning that unless we're achieving, I don't know what you're here for. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not even true. Right. And I don't even know back in the day when the yogis were, you know, developing this over time, um, how much of a component it is to unlearn this type of conditioning from society. You know, maybe back in the day, it wasn't as heavy as it is now because we're so bombarded. I mean, there's a billboard over here, there's a TV over here, there's magazine, like you, you're literally not advertised or blasted with something uh, unless you're sleeping. And I'm sure some way, some, you know, someone's gonna get into your sleep and start advertising as well. Um, but it's really just, you know, um, quieting, quieting the mind and uh, minimizing the noise. Um, my other question, we got kind of got a little bit off tangent, um, is what are the most, what are the top two or maybe top three like misconceptions that you can help us debunk about yeah. mindfulness? Yeah, for sure. So with mindfulness, and, and it's really just become a hashtag, I would say. And so to really look past that and look at what it is, which is just paying attention to this present moment. And we can do anything mindfully. We can brush our teeth mindfully. We can take a shower mindfully. We can do the dishes mindfully. And certainly if we're talking to someone we love or even just having a conversation with someone, let's put those phones down. Let's be right here in this present moment when that brain is like, oh, no, I forgot to do this other thing. Just come right back 
to this present moment and you'll start to see the benefits add up. And then there are lots and lots of misconceptions about meditation that I want to address as well. So with meditation, a lot of people think that you have to, number one, control your thoughts. Absolutely not. You do not have to control your thoughts. We start to notice the space between us and the thoughts. And so you know, the minute that we think we need to control something, we're not really meditating or being very mindful. We're really bringing our attention to something during meditation, whether it is a mantra that you are, you know, working with or your breath or a guided meditation. And there is a huge component of non-judgment for that, especially Mm -hmm. not judging ourselves and especially giving ourselves the grace that we might give to someone else. And so the more we practice that, the more we start to notice other things open up, like more gratitude and, and more compassion and empathy and altruism. And we've shown this in study after study. And so what I would say is, if you're interested in meditation, just give it a try. Just give it a try. Start with two minutes. Just close your eyes. Notice your breath for two minutes. See see how that feels for you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's super important because, you know, I personally don't want it to continue to be a hashtag or trend because it connotates um, something short term. You know, just like the word diet, you know, we talk a lot about food and nutrition here on the podcast and dieting is such a, a, a taboo of a word, at least to me, because, you know, it connotates, you know, something that you're going to get on and then something you, you know, you want to get off and with mindfulness or meditation or anything under that subset, you know, I think it's a great, you know, option, you know, to have, you know, as part of your arsenal for self-care. So, you know, I hope, you know, people that are listening um, you know, it is something that we can continue to practice, um, you know, for as long as, you know, use uh, see fit. So, uh, so thank you for clearing that up. Um, guys, we're, uh, I'm here with Dr. Rashmi. Uh, we're going to take a 30 second commercial break. And uh, in the meantime, if you have any questions, um, any comments, um, you know, you just want to say hi to us or have any questions for Dr. Rashmi, please put it into the chat window and uh, we'll be uh, right back after these messages. Hey guys, we're going to be taking a short break, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hey guys, this is Dr. Colin Zhu, AKA the chef doc. I just want to take a few moments of your time to talk to you about something, something that I feel needs to give reflection and pause for. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? I know for me, I've been on the self-work journey for a decade now, and I remember in my personal experiences uh, through my doctor's journeys and also from traveling the world, I was always searching for the next step or thinking that happiness was a destination. However, it's not. What I found instead was that life was a process, and learning about life was also a process and a practice, and that the state of happiness and the state of joy and contentment was also a practice. For those of you who don't know, since I don't share that much on my podcast, is that I actually battle with anxiety, OCD, and in the past, episodes of depression. However, little by little, step by step, after seeking extra help, 
I've been able to achieve monumental things in my life that I've been eternally grateful for. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. BetterHelp is a sponsor of this podcast. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. There is a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's counselor network, which may not be locally available in many areas. The service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses, plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions, so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room, as with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they can make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling, and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. A couple of reviews. This is by Rebecca Raymer. Becky has literally saved my life by truly understanding me. She has given me self-talk strategies and different thought pattern exercises that have made me stronger and a more aware person. I am so, so grateful to have found her. I've been to so many different therapists and none have helped me like Becky has. This is another review for Adam Johnson. I've had counselors before, both on BetterHelp and in person through work. And Adam, by far, is the best counselor I've ever talked with. I feel like he actually listens to and what is going on. He asks questions to help you navigate your thoughts. And you can tell that he is listening and wants you to help you. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash the chef doc. That's better H E L P and join the over 1.4 million people taking charge of their mental state with the help of an experienced professional special offer for thrive by listeners. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com forward slash the chef doc T H E C H E F D O C. Thank you for listening guys. And back to the episode. Welcome back to Thrive Bites. Let's get back to the interview. All right. So here we go. Um, so guys, this is, if you guys are just joining us, I'm your host, Dr. Colin Zhu, and I'm here with the lovely Dr. Rashmi, and we are uh, discussing uh, how to practice mindfulness. Uh, so Dr. Rashmi, I have another question for you. You know, during this time, you know, uh, you had mentioned that um, the practice of mindfulness, the practice of meditation has been, you know, studied and uh, utilized for, you know, thousands of years, right? And um, it, it's helped so much with stress, anxiety, depression, um, and everything related in all its forms. Um, during our current times, um, you know, for us, these, you know, for this generation and this era has been a little bit unique, to say the least. Would you say that, you know, to kind of visualize this or kind of take this as a, you know, just another traumatic event, you know, um, comparatively to other traumatic events that, you know, humans, um, you know, kind of experience throughout their lives? Or do you feel like this uh, specific pandemic is something unique that we have to kind of do extra, um, you know, um, that mindfulness or meditation cannot be utilized in the same way. Does that question make sense? 
Yeah. So I think what you're trying to ask me is, hey, as we're hopefully moving out of the pandemic, which has lasted for 20 months and counting, uh, no one would have predicted No one's that. even counting. No, no, not that anyone even. is counting. Um, th- that, that you're saying like, hey, can this fix it or do we need to do more? And, you know, I think that's a two-part question. So what I would say is, let me take the first part of that and say, how can meditation help? And one way that meditation can help is by helping us to process a lot of the stress, particularly chronic daily stress. So what I mean by that is um, what we see over and over again, even like I said, in first-time meditators, is we start to see more healing hormones show up. And that can can be things like serotonin, dopamine, DHEA, and they can show up pretty quickly within two or three weeks. And we know that that can start to help us deal with stress a little bit better, for example. And they also decrease some of the chronic stress hormones, cortisol, adrenaline, noradrenaline, all of those things. And the the mechanism by which meditation works is that we really just moving from that sympathetic overdrive that we generally live in and that chronic daily stress into the parasympathetic rest and restore response. And so you can imagine what happens then is the blood flow starts to change. There's all kinds of neurotransmitter changes that I just mentioned to you. And within the brain, we start to see very significant changes in even short-term meditators that can move blood flow away from the limbic system, right? The amygdala, the hypothalamus. So the amygdala is kind of our alarm bell. And truth is, we're not really uh, like in any, there's no human that was programmed to have 20 months of chronic daily stress on top of the previously stressful life that we used to have before. And so that I think makes meditation even more important now as we're trying to get out of the pandemic. And so not only do you start to see less blood flow within that limbic system, you see more blood flow into the prefrontal cortex, which is where our higher intellectual abilities come from. We have more access to creativity. Um, And what else happens over time when we keep meditating is the structure of the brain itself changes and it changes dramatically the longer somebody has been meditating. And so the gray matter within the prefrontal cortex, kind of the parent brain, if you will, the executive functioning, the ways that we can become more resilient and get more gritty without necessarily feeling like we're falling down a deep dark crevasse, all of those areas start to get built and built and built and built over time. So there is a significantly higher incidence and or noticing of being more resilient during stressful times when we meditate regularly. And when we meditate regularly, we also take that and integrate that in more mindful ways into our daily living. So I think so for me, meditation saved me time and time and time and time again. But of course, it's not enough, right? What I think you mean is like, can I meditate and eat like the standard American diet and sit on my couch? Like, no, of course not. <laughs> we want, you know, it's really all about balance and integration. So meditation is an incredible mind, body, spiritual tool. And I think we should really, if anybody's suffering, it's a good idea just to try it. And you can try all kinds of different meditations and there's so many different apps now. I actually have several short meditations and medium-sized meditations on my YouTube channel. They're all free and they're all evidence-based. And so what, what I think you're getting at is, hey, like, let's work on mental and emotional well-being. And also let's work on physical well-being, right? We have to work on relationships. We have to work on communication. I mean, there's the whole health component that makes us grittier and makes us more resilient and makes us 
stay in a zone of our genius, even when stress is hitting us. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, there's so many, um, you know, parts that I want to tease out um, is the fact that you're absolutely right. You know, um, as practitioners of lifestyle medicine, we, you know, focus, you know, on all pillars, um, you know, popularly and commonly, we, we, we love to talk about food and nutrition and what we put into our system. But it's totally true. You know, um, I think mindfulness and, uh, you know, meditation is, you know, a couple of great, you know, um, tools to be able to use. We, we also have to remember to sleep well, to hydrate, um, you know, just to reinforce relationships and continuing to exercise that resilient, um, you know, uh, muscle, you know, per se, and continue to be adaptable and pivot, um, you know, especially now. Um, more so over the 20 months, right? And you're like, oh my God, I didn't realize how much I had to pivot, you know? So um, so it's like taking, you know, anyone that dances out there, it's like a ball and chain and, you know, pivoting and, you know, and it's just very, very important. Um, my, uh, the next question I have is, um, you know, you had mentioned, uh, you know, you have some resources, you know, on your end, right? Um, how does how does one get started? Is it uh, is it as easy as like for example, um, you know, I have no affiliation with this, but like you know, turning on Headspace, you know, and uh, starting like that. Um, I have heard of a lot of great you know apps. Um, is it important to do it one on one? Is it important to do it in a group setting, guided? Like, how would you suggest to get started if someone is curious to start? Yeah, I think it really depends on what somebody's looking for. So if somebody just wants to try it, like dip their toes in, check out, like I said, just my quick videos, because, you know, those are really, really easy. You can definitely try Headspace. You can definitely try Calm. I think there's also 10% Happier. Chopra also has an app. So there's no end to the amount of really good apps that are available to us now, especially as people start to recognize <clears throat> the power of meditation. So it really can be just that easy. But just like everything else, you know, as we consume more podcasts and books and things like that, we kind of get to like a little bit of a stopping point, right? If you, you know, and you're like, oh, well, I kind of want to go a little deeper. And that's when, you know, look at live groups, look at recorded groups. And so I offer a live weekly meditation um, session with the group every single week. And I have for months and months and we're still going all the way till 2022. So that can be kind of fun because I also, you know, most of these programs also offer um, like, hey, you know what? I got this weird feeling during meditation. Did you get that too? And so, oh yeah, I've been feeling this. I thought I was just the only one. And so there can be this community and this kind of communion that can happen when you're meditating in a group. Um, and then one-on-one -on -one is, is, is really what the reason that a lot of people come to me is they kind of want to bypass like five years of hit and miss meditation. And so when they're like, I just want to get to where I want to get to, I want to, I want to call myself a meditator and I want to be able to meditate effortlessly and daily and not have it feel like a chore. I work with them one-on-one -on -one, and that's mm. really the outcome that they get. And so there's all kinds of different levels and some people um, are fine with just the apps and there's nothing wrong with that, especially if mm -hmm. it's helping them. There's not a thing wrong with that. But as, as one starts to go deeper, there's just more doors that start to open. Then you may want to explore that a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. And I agree with you. I think there's so many uh, resources that we have uh, and there's also um, you know, totally a different topic, but a lot of misinformation, you know, it's just an oversaturation of information. Um, and uh, it comes to a point where, 
you know, you want to be able to kind of stop and, you know, actually, you know, apply and continuing to apply because you don't know if it works or not until you actually have put some time into it, you know? Um, and we talk, you know, as lifestyle practitioners, um, a lot of it, you know, the core of it is lifestyle behavior changes and that takes some time. You know, uh, I think the studies show anywhere from like 21 to 60 days to really, you know, have some sort of, um, uh, change that can be solidified. So meditation can be one of those. So I definitely, uh, you know, encourage, you know, for you guys to check out Dr. Rashmi's stuff. Um, so this has been great. I definitely want to close out my last question. Um, you know, I've been saying, I've uh, been asking this for the past three seasons and, uh, not consistently, but I definitely want to turn it to you. And, uh, you know, we are good friends and I really, really uh, appreciate you as a human being and as, you know, just someone giving so much light to other people. And, um, you know, we also need to talk about self-care. So my question to you is besides meditation and practicing mindfulness, how else do you take the steps for you to continue to thrive? Yeah, for sure. So I've been plant-based for about 10 years. My whole family is plant-based whole foods. And so that's a really fun way for us to bond and for us to stay healthy, for sure. I exercise every single day. It might not look the same every day, but, you know, it's some form of either the Peloton, some kind of running or walking. It's, you know, usually going outside. There's a huge point of me being able to connect with nature and really nurture that particular relationship that I have that I always pay attention to. And then really, I learned the hard way that sleep cannot, we can't skip sleep. And so right. of course, you know, I'm paying attention to sleep. I'm paying very close attention to sleep. I practice gratitude. I practice journaling. Um, and I am very open about getting help and investing in myself, whether it's my mm -hmm. mind, body, or spiritual health. And that's a new thing for me. It used to not be anything at all. And so self-care for me isn't really like a spa day. It's like making an investment in a coaching program that I know is going to help my mind, you know, get to the next level, for example. And so I'm just really always trying to grow and always trying to get to that next level while still loving myself just the way that I am now. And this is mm -hmm. new for me. This is not how I was operating in the world before. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I love what you said about, you know, not just is it new, but it's loving yourself the way you are. And I think, you know, we, we do, we do forget that, you know, from time to time, myself included. And um, I think as healthcare professionals, you know, and people, you know, who are in, you know, uh, the healthcare system, um, you know, we see it, others that, you know, that, that our loved ones or spouses or family members that are in this uh, healthcare system can see it that, you know, there is a certain amount of, um, I guess, armor, you know, that we put on ourselves and we do our best to just show up to work, you know, don't, you know, um, cut the BS type of mentality, don't complain, no pain, no gain, just like go in and, you know, do your thing, right? And, um, you know, for me personally, I'm reminded often, you know, um, that we are also human, you know, we're living uh, a breathing, beautiful soul underneath with really good intentions, but sometimes we forget that, um, you know, we can be a little bit off kilter, you know what I'm saying? And it could be as a fine balance, you know, as a, a tightrope. Um, you know, I, I live, you know, uh, right near Santa Monica and Venice and uh, the weather's still holding up over here, uh, humbly speaking. And sometimes you see tightrope uh, walkers, you know, just, you know, from end and end uh, of palm trees. And sometimes self-care 
the balance between self-care and really falling into like deep depression, anxiety, um, without even knowing it is that thin sometimes. So I appreciate you, you know, letting us know what you do um, as a provider and reminding us that it, it is a practice. It's not something that you just achieve like a video game. You just level up and, you know, once you get to that level, you're done. It's something that you continuously, um, you know, just doing, uh, keep, you know, practicing and stuff like that. So. That's absolutely right. It's a practice. It's not, there's not, it's not a destination. It's a journey. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so for those of the audience that are wondering on, you know, how to reach you and, you know, utilize your wonderful services, um, how can they reach you? And do you have any closing remarks? Yeah, absolutely. I would love to connect with anybody that's looking to get a little deeper into mindfulness or meditation or coaching, mindset, any of that stuff. And so my website is optimalwellnessmd.org. And I am on and you know YouTube and it's just, you know, Dr. Rashmi Shram, Optimal Wellness. And you should just be able to find me just by going into YouTube. I'm also on Instagram and Facebook, LinkedIn. Love to connect with really anybody. And um, right now I've got, you know, we're just added some in-person retreats. So anybody that's in Northeast Florida, you're, you know, you're going to be getting some more information about that. Um, and I definitely have group programs that are always going to be available, especially if you want to dip your toes into meditation and something like Ayurveda, which is really lifestyle medicine. Uh, and, uh, and just, you know, one-on-one is coaching and that is also really fun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's wonderful. And I am so glad that you have so many options, um, both in person and, you know, virtual to be able to reach. So definitely no, no excuse. You know, if you're curious, you know, continue to be curious and uh, please reach out to Dr. Rashmi Shram. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it, my friend. Um, you're always lovely as always. And uh, you guys, you know, this has been another episode of uh, Fry Bites. If you like this, please share, like, and comment. And if you feel this is a benefit of someone else, uh, please let them know as well. And please say goodbye to Dr. Vashmi. <laughs> you guys, Bye. thanks so much for having me. Bye. <laughs>。Hey guys, that was another episode of Thrive Bites. If you like that episode, please subscribe and follow weekly for new episodes. And don't forget to rate us on Apple Podcasts.